This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallach. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. What is good, everybody? Bet and breakfast on Saturday, June 4th. I'm Reed Wallach. Alongside me is Donovan Smoot. And boy, do we have a few series on our hands here. NHL in the conference finals, NBA finals, game one, the Celtics rally to take game one from the Golden State Warriors. I mean, talk about uh, some shocking series so far heading into the weekend. We're going to get you set with all that. A few best bets Saturday UFC. We got starting at 1 o'clock Eastern. It's a little afternoon UFC. Donovan's got a best bet on the French Open men's final tomorrow morning with Rafael Nadal going for his 14th straight. But Donovan, what's up, man? What is your, I guess, biggest takeaway from – we'll start with Thursday night in the finals all the way to now. What is kind of your biggest takeaway from a crazy – kind of may in sports right now my biggest thing is that nothing's going the way that i thought it was gonna go <laughs> and that i thought that i i thought that i knew listen i i pride myself as being somebody who knows ball um and <laughs> from from thursday night in terms of game one to game two in uh in the eastern conference finals and in, in the nhl everything's just gone completely awry so we're i'm hoping that like the weekend would be a good spot for me to get back but it's a lot. Listen, some crazy stuff happening out here, man. It's 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 really really ridiculous to to yeah. cite the great Demarcus Cousins. It's, it's Listen, getting ridiculous out here. I I will say I don't think because I know myself, and we'll get into the NBA finals after. But I think we both had the handicap right on the Warriors game one. They hit se- the Celtics had seven threes to start the fourth quarter. You just can't. I wouldn't say people that had the Warriors were dead wrong or something. And we'll get into kind of initial thoughts and what we saw and you know takeaways. But I don't think you don't know ball because of that. You know, I don't think it's not like the Celtics, like Celtics came out and they won by like a clear victory. They kind of were in control the whole game. Then it's like, all right, maybe this guy doesn't really know ball, but I will give you the benefit of the doubt and we'll get more into Warriors Celtics probably in around like 20 minutes. But I want to start with maybe you don't know puck because I know yourself and Ian both had the Lightnings winning fairly easily against the Rangers to advance to the Stanley Cup finals. They go down 2-0, and I, granted they were on the road, but the Lightning were around a minus-175 favorite going into this series. They lose game one uh, big. They lose game two last night at Madison Square Garden, 3-2. to two. They got a late goal to kind of pad that score line. But it's 2-0 Rangers now. Ran- the series odds have flipped. Rangers now minus-170, uh, minus-250, sorry, at Wimbet. Lightning minus-170 in game three. Donovan, what have you seen in the first two games 
Is this over? You think they get back into it? Both games, the next three, two games are in Tampa Bay. What are you seeing? Yeah. So one, it's not, it's not over. Um, at, at the end, of, at the end of the day, and like if you're ever a fan of, of any team that goes down 2-0, you just say, listen, they did what they had to do at home. Now Tampa Bay has to go back to Tampa and, and take care of, you know, home ice. But the shocking thing is just the fact that the Rangers have pulled out these two games because if you look at the numbers and, you know, especially in, in game one, game one, they win 6-2. But if you look at like the high danger scoring chances, you know, Tampa Bay won that. And there's a whole bunch, there's a lot, a lot of of numbers that if you look at it, the the lightning should be up 2-0 right now. And the Rangers are just that team and they've done it this entire postseason. And I backed them in the last two series because of this and I faded them because I thought that the Lightning's experience and just championship grit would kind of take over. And it hasn't yet. But the Rangers have been that pesky team to just find ways to win. And I'm very shocked. I'm very shocked that they're up 2-0 right now. Um, you know, the Lightning, they were my best bet last night. Lightning money line, they were minus 130 to, to tie up the series. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see if Tampa Bay is going to go down 3-0. I do not think that they will. But, I mean, at this rate, anything's possible because New York is just doing whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, momentum, it's, re- it, it's a real thing. And, you know, yeah. I saw that, you know, the Lightning, they sweep in round two while the Rangers go um, to seven with Carolina. And, you know, again, I'm not the biggest hockey guy, but it, it seems like there was some rust for Tampa Bay in that first game. And it kind of gave New York an extra shot of life who just played – you know, earlier this week, they they kind of rode that high into game one. They put six goals on the board. And then in game two, even, I mean, Tampa Bay scores first and the Rangers, no no fear at all. Just respond right away. Um, Igor Shosturkin's obviously playing lights out hockey right now. Just absolutely insane hockey. You know, I'll give him, you know, a pass on that last goal, you know, extra man and everything. So, I mean, listen, credit where credit's due to the Rangers. I'm not going to say the series is over. I am curious to see... You know, the Rangers, the younger team, Tampa Bay, obviously back-to-back champ, uh, champions. They got to win these two, of course, um, you know, get this even. But do you think that there's a little bit of value getting the Lightning at two two to one odds right now to win this series? Considering they are going home, obviously, if they lost the first two at home, this would be obviously a different series. But they, st- you know, it's not over till a team wins on the other team's, you know, home ice yeah. and all that stuff. So technically the series hasn't started yet. Uh, is there any kind of hope for you that the lightning could get back into this no listen there's there's a bunch of hope for me that that Tampa Bay can get in here um this script is kind of flipped in terms of everything that New York has done all postseason like they've come like they came back down 3-1 in the first round and then they came back down 3-2 in the second so this is the first time that they're like actually in the driver's seat but if you look at Tampa Bay Tampa Bay was down 3-2 to to Toronto in the first round. So they've they've made comebacks. They've had series where they've had to win two in a row and they've already done it. And listen, stuff like this happens when you're chasing a three-peat, right? Everything yeah. is not always everything's not always easy. Sometimes you get into positions that you're not supposed to be in. And so again, like 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 you said, and this is really what I'm banking on, they all they have to do is go home and take care of home ice. If you can win in Tampa Bay, and make it a three-game series. That's all you need because I think that I think that if, if this gets to a game seven, which you know likely will have, you know, it's likely um, the outcome of this. 
Tampa Bay has the championship experience. And eventually, like we're talking about all this like momentum and like this, mm-hmm. this intangible stuff. Tampa Bay has the intangible advantage in this series. And so if you can get to a position where those things are like the differentiator, yes, Tampa Bay still has a lot, a lot of value in this series. So let me right now, I know you're, so you still, you still think Tampa Bay is going to come back and win. Yes. Let me, so now broader question, let's say the Rangers do win. If you had to pick the two teams that are going to win the cup, is it going to be either Colorado or or Edmonton or Rangers and Lightning? Like if you had to pick conference winner, basically, which, um, which duo are you taking? The winner of the West or the winner of the East? I would like. Let's say okay. the Rangers do win. Do you buy this like team of destiny stuff that they're just going to kind of run away with? No, them? no. If okay. the if the Rangers if the Rangers win and they get to the Stanley Cup, they're going to get skated off the ice. Because okay. Colorado, Colorado and Edmonton's offense is just crazy, and you see it every game. Like last game was a little bit different, but because it, it was four zero from Colorado, mm-hmm. but it's every single game, it's nonstop action. They're putting a lot of pressure on these goalkeepers, and so you've seen you've seen New York a bunch of times in this postseason get into trouble because the defense is putting is allowing too much pressure to be put on Shesterkin, and Colorado and, and Edmonton are going to do that the entire series. So I think if if they end up playing New York, I'll take the West. But if if Tampa Bay comes out, then I'll take Tampa Bay. Okay. No, I completely agree. Um, I kind of lean towards uh, the um, West Coast avalanche and Edmonton also. I just think the speed advantage is a little too much for um, either New York or Tampa Bay. Cause I, Tampa Bay, I mean, listen, winning a three-peat is tough. That is it's hard. It's tough, but um, yeah, definitely interesting. I'm interested to see where that series kind of goes now with the Rangers kind of throwing the first punch. They were plus 150 despite having home ice. So I'm interested to see where that goes. But let's turn to what we kind of started this with, with the Celtics rallying 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter at the Chase Center to knock off the Golden State Warriors in game one. Celtics win as... um. You know, underdogs in game one trailed for it's kind of back and forth, but early it was Warriors. Celtics end up taking a two point lead at half. Warriors third quarter, typical kind of an avalanche. Now Celtics up one uh, zero with a Jason Tatum bad shooting performance. We're gonna get into that in a little bit and talk about individual pieces. But Donovan, overarching thoughts, game one takeaways. Hit me with it. I am okay. Before the series, I've had Warriors in six. I am still on the train of Warriors in, in six. And the, the one thing that kind of scares me is that I've been I've been yelling and losing my voice all postseason because I've been yelling at the TV saying, like, this is not the Celtics. Like they just they just get hot at random times and find ways to like to win these series. And there's a whole bunch of games I could point to where I could be like, that's not them. Apparently, this is who they are, and they're just gonna do it whenever they whenever you know they need to. So I have to kind of account for that. But I look at game one and you're telling me that like you have a bad, you have a bad Draymond game. Clay wasn't, Clay wasn't there. Gary Payton still didn't play. And, um, and Jordan Poole was disgusting. Like his, mm-hmm. his performance was not great. You have all of that. Obviously, obviously you have the Celtics going crazy. But if you're going to tell me that Derek White is going to shoot five of eight for the rest of the series, and now Horford is going to shoot seven of eight, Marcus Smart is going to shoot four of seven, 
okay, fine. Like I'll, I'll, I will bet anything that they will not shoot that way for the entire series. The Warriors were in control of that game up until, you know, the start of the fourth. I feel very good about, about, you know, Golden State's prospects for the rest of the series. Yeah. I mean, listen, my biggest takeaway is that the Warriors have a shot creation problem. It's how outside of Steph Curry, where are the points going to come from? Where are people going to set the table for Clay Thompson, for Andrew Wiggins, Otto Porter, even Draymond Green, like Jordan Poole to me, I was nervous about his role in this series because his defense is an issue and he was exposed last night and, or two nights ago, I looked at like the on off numbers and I was kind of, I thought I was like, wow, pools numbers with Steph off the floor are going to be like egregious. They were just bad overall, both him with Steph on Steph off. It didn't matter. He was just bad on the floor. So there's only really a takeaway from there, but if pools offense, isn't even going to just like negate his bad defense, the Warriors are in big trouble. They need, cause where is the shot creation going to come from outside of Steph? Because outside of the first quarter, where the Celtics were playing drop on Steph. They were giving him just three after three. He had six threes in the first quarter, I'm pretty sure. After that, and they started switching on Steph. Steph didn't have as much wiggle room to go around. So I am a little nervous for the Warriors and how they're going to get their offense, especially if Poole's not going to be able to play well. Because on the other end, granted, I'm still not super high on the Celtics offense. And you make a lot of great points about shooting regression and everything, but they're going to find there there are more holes in the Warriors defense than there are on the Celtics defense if you know what I'm saying if the Celtics are just going to play switch I think that they're going to be able to keep a lid on this Warriors offense to extend at least to win three of the next six games you know it's where the Warriors going to find that extra gear outside of Steph that's what makes me a little nervous that's what I saw it was like all right it's kind of just Steph and if it's not Steph who else is it going to be because Clay's not beating anyone else off the dribble. Draymond shot two at 12, and I don't really trust him to begin with. I think it is going to be a big Otto Porter series. I think Wiggins is going to have some answers. I'm not counting the Warriors out, but definitely a game you can't blow. You, you, you had that game. You need to just, you know, that's what it comes down to to me. It's, I'm not going to say the series is over or anything because, like, big series, you know, long series. I could see the Warriors kind of, like, the Celtics kind of giving away game two. We also have seen a very inconsistent team, but – that's a tough loss to to give away there. No, it's it's a it's a very very tough loss, and I I think and I don't want to sound like cliche narrative, but like you blew that one. You, know, you can't. No, get that no, no. They no they 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 did, and I think one of the things that like coming into the series that I I absolutely knew was going to happen because we've seen it all playoffs and we've seen it kind of historically. Jason Tatum is going to give you one stinker in the series, and for and so like. Outside of the shooting, I'm I'm more frustrated, you know, that the Warriors blew that game because it was a bad Tatum game. Yeah. Shooting. And so, you know how he performs in bounce back games. He, so, I'm expecting Tatum to come out in game two and have like a 30-point game or something like that. But for the, for the Warriors, and you mentioned like the shot creation stuff, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually okay with how everything was going because two things. One – Grant Williams on the other side. Grant Williams is, is not playing good basketball right now. And his minutes, he played somewhere around like 16, 17 minutes. I actually see those going down. Robert Williams to start the to start the game off. You saw it in the first three minutes. He hurt his I knee want, and he was he was living a little bit. 
Yeah. He, so, like, Robert Williams may not be as big of a factor as we've seen. And so now, like, you know, if the Celtics go small and they start shooting that way, okay, by all means. But if both teams are small, then then I, I like what Golden State has, right? Because now we're just playing their game and they are very, very comfortable doing that. And so, like, I expect Draymond, even if I, – I would not expect Draymond to, you know, come out in game two and have, like, six threes or something stupid like that. Yeah, he's just not that type I, of player. Yeah, and I, I don't care about the threes from Draymond. What I do care about is you can't go 0 for 3 from the free throw line and you can't miss floaters. You can't miss bunnies at, at the layup. Those those are those shots that you have to make in order to take that lead from where it was 13 points at the end of, of the third or they were trying to push it up. You take that lead from there all the way up to 17, 18, and now maybe at the start of the fourth, you know, things things look a little different. Boston may, you know, wave the flag a little sooner and then you get out of there with a win. So the, the shot creation, while it – while I understand why you see it as an issue, I'm not too worried about it because I do think that there are a couple holes in Boston's defense that whenever they do end up switching, it's not gonna it's not gonna be as big a, of an advantage for them. Yeah. So two things you mentioned. I did. I thought again. I was. My, I didn't have a strong take on the series. I was moderately bullish on the Warriors' chances because I'm concerned about the Celtics' health. Going forward, Robert Williams does not look healthy whatsoever, and it showed. I did very, very small sample, but in the 19 minutes with Steph on the floor and Robert Williams on the floor, it was not pretty because Robert Williams doesn't switch. You know, he plays a bit of a drop, and that gives room for Steph to operate off the pick and roll. He had a nasty step back on him also, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Um, and it was Again, it was just four minutes, so I'm not saying, like, this is some nasty takeaway, but in 19 minutes or something with Steph on the floor – uh, Robert Williams struggled. They had like a minus 25 net rating with the four minutes of Steph off the Celtics had like an 85, you know, 85 points allowed per 100 possession. Yeah. So clear change there. And Robert Williams, I think we start to see his role a little mitigated. And while Grant Williams may not be the answer, maybe they even size down with just Al Horford as the lone big. And you go like with like Derek white. I do think Peyton Pritchard could hang on the floor in this series just because speed shoot a little bit so maybe that's what the if, if pool can hang on listen yeah. pool can hang on in the series then, then pritchard can hang out i do wonder if the warriors stick with looney and draymond at the same time because that's two non-shooters it just makes the celtics a little bit easier makes it easier on their defense where maybe marcus smart starts guarding draymond and like just kind of completely ignores him and says okay if draymond's gonna beat us let that happen and then that's just more attention to steph and clay so a little bit of a chess match. I do think we do see Robert Williams' role slowly diminished. Maybe he only plays when Steph is off the floor and the Celtics start to size down. And that transitions very well into my finals MVP talk because we'll get back to Tatum, but I want to talk about Al Horford because he's still 11-1 to to win finals MVP. Comes off a 26-point outing, 9-12 from the field, six threes. Um Huge down the stretch. He's kind of the heart of this team. He's the veteran leader. He's 11-1 to to win finals MVP. If Boston wins this series and Tatum, who's probably going to shoot better, he shot 3-17 in game one, did dish out 13 assists, it just feels like if the Warriors are going to sell out to stop Tatum, which they did, and they forced him into a lot of tough looks, but then the Celtics are going to move the ball around and get open looks for guys like Horford, guys like Derek White, 
isn't Al Horford going to get that narrative boost as the veteran, as the heart and soul of the team? You know, I think Jalen Brown at six to one, granted Jalen Brown played great in game one. I don't see Jalen Brown getting it over Tatum. I do see Al Horford getting it over Tatum if this trajectory stays the same and we'll see what happens. I just, I want to kick that to you. Cause I, I played Al Horford to win MVP. I think that that's a solid bet. Tatum is plus one thirty at win bet. Jalen Brown plus 600 Horford, 11 to one. It's worth noting. Steph Curry still plus one fifty. you know, kind of, he's kind of tied to the Warriors odds, but yeah. if we're talking Celtics, I think that there's room for Al Horford to continue to improve his case as the series goes on. I know no, you like the Warriors, but let's let's live in a world where the Celtics win the series. Do you think Al Horford has a chance? No, I think he's very, very live live to win. Because um, and and I I can't remember when when you had said this, but the thing with Brown versus Tatum and the you know the ranking pre series was Tatum Brown, and then I think Horford was third on the list and like smart. Like yeah, like some, yeah, somewhere somewhere around there. And you had mentioned it. Brown and Tatum, in terms of style, styles, they do the same thing, right? So so Brown would have to be significantly better than Jason Tatum mm-hmm. the rest of this way. And Jalen Brown just hasn't been that guy kind of all playoffs. This entire playoffs, he's only gone over 24 points five times. There's right? a stat J- right there. Jason, right? Jason Tatum... Jason Tatum has obviously the capability to go for 30 in any night. We've seen him have 45 in a closeout game. Like when we get down to these moments of who's going to step up and take these shots, Tatum's going to be the one. And so if the numbers are kind of similar, then if you start going into like the narrative area, then Tatum is going to be there. Al Horford is the guy to where, and it's not going to be as disrespectful, but it is going to be kind of along the lines of like an Andre Iguodala winning because Hey, this guy, like he changed the series. He like mm-hmm. like the series kind of flipped on his head with that. Horford had his moment in game one with the six threes. But if you're able to get it there, if 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 you're able to get the Celtics up 1-0, and then for the rest of the series, like if they're switching and Horford plays, you know, fantastic defense on Curry whenever they switch out, he's there on both sides. So I think at 11 to 1, that's that's a great price. Yeah. That's a great price for Horford. I just, I think that, you know, you make the points about like Jalen needs to kind of significantly outplay Tatum because the narrative on Tatum kind of changed as the game was going on. And I I said to a few buddies and again, Tatum played fine. I'll bring back up his stats, had 13 assists. So at least he did something to make up for the loss. But like the narrative on on him changed completely because let's say the Warriors hang on to, they don't blow it in the fourth quarter. The Warriors win kind of easy, right? Like take the lead. Oh, we're, it's it's all on Jason Tatum. The, it's the like, oh my God, him. Jason Tatum! Like first finals game, shoots three of seventeen from the field. Like what a what an egg! Like the narrative changes to wow, Jason Tatum, way to adapt, and you know his shot isn't falling. He dishes out thirteen assists. So again, I get that he did dish out thirteen assists, and he you know that is true. Like you know, there's two sides to every coin. But to me, Al Horford had like a loud twenty six. And if this series goes on as we see, and let's say the Celtics win in five or six, this game one is likely the game that was like the turning point. You know, usually you see the turning point in like a game five. So to me, Al Horford has the leg up on everyone because he had that big, you know, outing in game one because we can look back on this series and say this series turned right here in game one and turned the tides in Boston's favor, even if they lose game two. So 
I just think it's something to keep an eye on. But I want to talk about game two specifically because there's a lot of narratives that could go into this. Uh, Warriors minus four. I see minus four and a half also around total 215 and a half up two points from the game one close. Do you see this as the Celtics kind of, you know, take their take their split, get back home? Like, okay, we kind of we know we got this team. We're gonna try and take a three-one lead at home. Are the Warriors outgunned? It sounds like you're kind of leaning towards the Warriors still to come back. Obviously, winning this game would be huge. What do you see in game two? You know, you mentioned some adjustments. How do you see game two playing out? I, I see the Warriors winning winning this game. And I told I told you know, I told somebody, I think I told one of my friends that I um I no no matter what happened in, in game one, like game two was the game that I thought that the Warriors kind of had in, in the bag because while I, I, I see I saw Golden State definitely taking game one, you know, no, get, the, get I, the Celtics on their heels. No, so so everybody was saying, like, oh, you know, Boston they're coming out off of this, like, you know, off of this crazy, uh, this crazy physical seven game series, this and that. The Warriors, if I'm shocked that they lost game one because of how they lost it, because of the fact that like you know they got outscored forty to sixteen in the fourth quarter. But if you would have told me going into the going into the game, like hey Boston, Boston actually came in, they took control kind kind of early, and they they stole they stole the game one. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been shocked. I like I would have been like I, again. I thought that the Warriors were going to win, but if you told me that happened, I wouldn't have been shocked. So game two is the game that I've always been like. No, no matter what, they're they're gonna get game two. I think that I, I think that a couple things have to happen in game two for it to play out in this Warriors' favor. One, Gary Payton has to play, and the reason why is because we both know that Jason Tatum is going to have a bounce back game. He's gonna come back. He's gonna he's gonna play well. It's what it's what he normally does. The Warriors, if they have if they have you know this lineup of Steph Pool. Clay, Draymond, and like Looney or something, or or even or even Wiggins, right? Let's say they, they go in like the pool party lineup or something like that. They don't have enough defense to be able to double Tatum and stop him from getting his. And so like Peyton, Gary Payton has to play in order to give them some type of one-on-one matchup so that the rest of the defense can rotate and cover everybody else. That's that's kind of my main thing. That's the main thing that I want to see from Steve Kerr is I want to see him put Gary Payton in the game. What question for you? Do you think he's not actually healthy? Like he it didn't even I'm seem like he was worried. in the game. I'm, like I'm, there's I'm a worried, chance he's not. Yeah, like there's a chance like he's he's active, but like it makes no. You know what I mean? Like he could be active, doesn't mean he's gonna play. So like you know, I I was expecting him to play just because he was like ruled active and stuff. Uh, first of all, it's worth noting Otto Porter looked very good, and I think he's going to play a role in this series big time. I think him and Wiggins can have big series as like may- maybe more so than Draymond. If like Wiggins and Otto Porter could get going from three, I think that's something that could tip the scales in the Warriors' favor. You know more because like you know Clay could get hot and stuff like those. Yeah. The role players hitting threes, like even Iguodala hit a three, a big one in the third. That's important. But back to Gary Payton. Part of me thinks, and I'm not going to like go all the way, but like there's a chance he's just not healthy and not actually ready to play. Like it's more of like a gamesmanship, you know what I mean? Tactic. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense because I do agree with you though, that he also has a role in this series. Yeah, it, it is. It is very interesting because I saw, and I know that they've been saying that he's been on track, you know, to, to be active and to play. 
But I keep looking at it and I'm like, yo, this guy broke his elbow like three weeks ago, like th three and a half weeks ago, you broke an elbow and now you're just walking around with, you know, no cast and you're ready to play in like an NBA game and do all that. It seemed, it seemed kind of weird, but I, I want to ask you on, on this, right? So the total, the total is at 215 and a half. It's moved up. I was kind of surprised at how open the game was from, from the jump. Like I figured that there was going to be a point. I figured that there was going to be a point where either like Boston you know, Boston goes on a run or like the Warriors make their third quarter run and the number maybe goes up, but the game still feels like kind of enclosed a little more defensive. It felt like everybody was had enough space to move and do whatever they wanted to do. How, do you think that this game is going to be another over game and it's going to be as wide open? Yeah. So what I saw from the game was it looked like both teams, not necessarily like run and gun, but it seemed like both teams didn't want, like, especially the Warriors, they didn't want to play in the half court. Like, off of misses, they wanted to beat the other team up, not necessarily go for layups, but, like, just get into the get into their offense with, like, 19 on the clock, not, like, walk it up and, like, get into their offense with, like, 12 on the clock and, like, force up a shot. So, to me, the pace was pretty loosey-goosey where we're getting shots put up, the ball was bouncing around. Are the Celtics going to shoot so well from three again? Not necessarily, but, like, no, a, lot no. of the three, a lot of the threes they took, though, were open. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like Derek White hit a few late that were kind of like, give me a break. But like Horford's threes were open. They hit a few corner threes that were open. I do think that these games are going to stay, especially early in the series, are going to stay pretty up. I'm, I don't want to say up tempo because the pace was only around like, I think 93 possessions. So it wasn't like a crazy frenetic pace. There's the shot making was very good. I, I kind of lean towards the over, I think that I want – there were a fair amount of foul shots. I want. I wonder how the refs are going to call it. I lean towards the over. I don't think two points is necessarily enough of an adjustment. I'm trying to pull up the free throws while I'm here. Um, yeah. I but, ain't listen. To, 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 your, to your point on the, on the refs and, like, how they're going to call it, they, for the most part, they were out of it. And this is the first yeah. game we kind of – There were only, this 20, the only 20, 31 free throws total, so it wasn't, like, a crazy – Okay. You know, each 16 free throws for the Celtics, 15 for the Warriors. It wasn't like a the game was pretty much an over game for the most part of the game. You know, it, it was kind of always trending over, especially after that first quarter. So I lean over again. I think at like there's I think maybe this is the game and then it starts to like dip back down towards a slower, you know, more typical finals game. Yeah. That that, I, make, that make that makes sense though. That, I that think the sense. key for the Warriors though, if we're talking about how they win this game. And I think if you want to play the Warriors, you may want to look towards like Warriors alternate spreads. Cause if it's close, I kind of lean towards the Celtics. I just think they have more answers. I uh, if if I think the Warriors, like I'm I'm trying to draw up how the Warriors win. I think you could see like Warriors kind of go nuclear from three and like don't let the Celtics back in and maybe take like a Warriors like minus seven and a half at like plus 150 as opposed to taking like a, a, your standard juice. You know what I mean? I think I think Warriors winning in a blowout is almost as likely as Warriors cover a small spread. I think it might even be more likely or Warriors team total over might be your look as opposed to Warriors um, covering the spread. So that might be my look that in the over because to me, the Celtics had 33 assists on 43 made baskets. To me, that shows that the, the Celtics offense is kind of humming. On the other end, you know, Warriors, 
24 assists on 39 made baskets. So I kind of lean towards the Celtics going more ISO heavy. I, I actually think that Tatum might not have the bounce back game, or if he does, every then it's gonna he's gonna have a very low assist output and it might be just him kind of playing hero ball and that's not gonna work. So I think the Warriors they let the Celtics go like swing swing too much into an open three. The Warriors rotations have to be a little bit more crisp, in my opinion. That's why I think you're gonna see a lot more Otto Porter and Andrew Wiggins lineups, maybe less Kavon Looney. But at the same time, the Warriors were crashing the glass really well. So maybe I think that's an interesting choice for Steve Kerr to make. Do you go just Draymond alone and let him fight on the glass? Or do you say, you know what, we're going to try and rack up a lot of second chance opportunities, leave Looney in there, let Draymond and him battle on the glass and kind of overpower the Derek Whites of the world, you know, the undersized big men. So I'm curious how that is going to go. But so if you were to give out a bet right now, I don't know if you locked anything in, but what are you thinking game two before we get to Saturday's best bets? Yeah. So two, two, two things before I do that. So one, um, Clay Thompson's minutes are, they, they have, they have to go down to make room for Otto Porter. And I, I do agree with that. And then two. I'm telling you, Clay's your, defense, man, he got cooked a few times also. Yeah. He got, and then he got two, cooked. He's not the same defender two, anymore. Two on your alternate spread um, point. So I was looking at the numbers yesterday. So the Celtics, I get so after game one, so this is including game one, after a win in the postseason, they are seven and six against the spread. They, okay. they're, they're like, there's they're seven and six, everything. They're seven and six straight up against the spread and against the over under. And I think that just speaks to the inconsistency that we've seen from this team. And we've seen several times, we're, un, until it's been like time to close out, we've seen several times that they are not able to like, you know, take one good good performance, take all the good stuff, and yep. transfer it over to another game. So I think that the alternate spread is a really, really good play. I think in this one, if even if I didn't want to mess with the alternate with the alternate spread, my best bet for this one would be Warriors minus four. I I would be absolutely stunned if the Warriors go down 2-0 and if they don't do it in like semi-convincing fashion. If After, they lose if they lose sweep. No, if they lose Warriors in seven, <laughs> I just, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not picking Boston. Reed, I'm not doing it. I'm okay. not doing it. Okay, all right. It's not happening. Okay, I think my best bet would be like Warriors alt spread. So if they, if they, I think if they win, they win pretty convincingly. So I'd rather save some money on like the juice and take like an alt spread or maybe Warriors team total over or something. I gotta look more into it. But yeah, let's go. I'm going to give out my Saturday oh, no. best bet because I know you have a Sunday best bet. You have a Sunday best bet. And my Saturday best bet is going to be Alexander Volkov in the main event of UFC Vegas 56. I think Donovan is frozen, but I'm just going to keep going. I'll wait till he jumps back in. Um, Alexander Volkov by decision plus 180. It's not sexy. It'll be a very boring fight, but I like this a lot. I think that Volkov isn't going to win by knockout. I'm going to let Donovan jump off real quick as he gets situated. But I like Alexander Volkov by decision. Early UFC event tonight. Um, one o'clock it starts. This main event probably goes off around like four or so. Volkov is your standard kickboxer. He has several inches of, of height and reach on Jarzina Rosentrick, who is, he's a one-trick pony. He's going to knock you out or he's going to lose a really gross decision. Uh, Five-round main events with the UFC. Not really sexy, but Volkov, I think he's going to be able to keep this at range He's coming off a loss of Tom Aspinall. He's a much more active fighter. 
But if Volkov stays on the outside, he's going to be the minute winner in this one. I think he's going to grind out a decision. To me, if you are betting Rosentruck, go buy knockout. That's closer to two to one. He's plus 130 on the money line. I think those two wins are tied. You know, all of Rosentruck's win equity is in a knockout. So, you know, I think Volkov by decision is the best way to play. You could save some money there than just taking the minus 155. Because I will note that Rosentruck has a really nasty knockout punch. I know Ian McMillan from Jab Cross Hook earlier this week. He took Rosentruck in the upset. He likes that kind of close underdog by knockout. I'm going to go the other way. I like Volkov to win a really ugly decision. I'm not too um, impressed with Rosentruck. I think when he is the underdog, he is meant to be the underdog. Um, so give me Vo- Alexander Volkov to win by decision. It'll be really boring 25 minutes as I still wait for uh, Donovan to come back from uh, some internet issues. I'll just rattle off some more UFC bets I have. Um, as we talked about on... Uh, jab cross hook this week. I took Nicholas Stoles. Um, he is an underdog against Benoit St. Dennis. Uh, Stoles coming off two straight losses, but I think a little undervalued here. I think he's the more complete fighter. St. Dennis, he got really lit up in his last fight uh, against uh, Elizu Dos Santos. Dos Santos should have won by knockout. The ref kind of let that go to decision, but he got ruined. That was only six months ago or so. So I don't really back St. Dennis as a favorite. Give me Stoles to win. Um, as a small underdog, he's around plus 135 right now. Elsewhere in the card, I took Johnny Munoz in the in the betting draft on jab cross hook. I'm also going to take him by um, submission in this one. That's kind of my the best way for me to play it, I think. He's close to plus 280 by submission. Um, world champion jiu-jitsu winner, Tony Graverly. When he loses, he typically loses by submission. Kind of a reckless fighter. I He is a favorite. He's minus 130. I, I think if it goes to the if it goes to the cards, he likely has Munoz covered. But at plus two eighty, I think that there's enough upside on taking uh, Munoz. You know, throwing half a unit on him by submission, I'll take a shot plus two eighty. I think that's a pretty good payout um, on Johnny Munoz to win by sub. If Grave Relief, this hits a mat, I think Munoz could find a submission. Um, he's only plus one ten on the uh, money line. I think a lot more of it is tied to his submission victory. So I'll take Johnny Munoz um, by submission. And yeah, those are three of the plays. Oh, and then also Alonzo Manyfield. Ian uh, spoke about this on Jab Cross Hook. Really confusing fighter. He's going up against uh, Askar Morozov. I took Manyfield to win by submission at plus 450, I believe. I, I sprinkled some plus 600, plus 450. So around like plus 500. Uh, Manyfield by submission, I think, has some upside. Manyfield inside the distance and anything below minus 160, I think, has some upside. Um, this guy Morozov has a really sketchy background. No one seems to know what his true record is. So give me Alonzo Manyfield to win in pretty uh, convincing fashion. I don't love him as a fighter, but he is um, he's at least a UFC pro. This Morozov guy seems like, you know, I don't even know what his deal is. I don't think he really has proven anything. He may be like kind of conning his way into a UFC main card uh, appearance. So we'll see how that goes. Still waiting for Donovan to rejoin. Um, and yeah, so those are all my UFC plays for now. If you want to check those out, those are on my bet stamp at RW33. Um, that's my bet stamp. All my UFC plays will be there early start time. Donovan's best bet, his internet cut out. He's got Rafael Nadal in the French Open final, minus six and a half games versus Casper Rude. Or here's Donovan to finish out uh, as I filler the whole time. There he is. 
Donovan, you're back. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I kept I, it rolling I, for around a few minutes, I, but your best bet, your best bet, uh, Rafa Nadal minus six and a half games in the French Open final. Yes, listen, it's very, it's very clear um, how great right. uh, Nadal, Nadal is on, on clay. Uh, listen, this is like his 14th final. He's never lost in a French Open final, right? The only, the only, he made it to the semis last year, but Nadal in this spot is fantastic. I think, I think he's a little bit rested because he didn't have to play a full match against Verve uh, in Huge. the semis, right? Because it, it's a, it's a walkover that, you know, that happened at the end of the second set where, and you know, you kind of seen it. Zverev was getting up on him. He was, he was putting a, yep. a lot of pressure to maybe take that, that second set and make this into maybe a marathon match. But I think that the fact that it was able to end early, he gets a chance to rest. He gets a, uh, you know, he doesn't have to face either, either one of like the, the giants in the, in the final. So I think he has a very, very good opportunity to come in and, and you know, restamp his legacy as the king of clay. So I'll take him minus six and a half games. It's minus 110 over at Wimbet. Very, very, you know, very solid play for, for the yeah. I think Rafa rolls. Um, but yeah, that's our show. That's our bed and breakfast. Tomorrow, we'll be back here at the same exact time, Monday through Friday, though. We got daily bets at 5 p.m. Eastern. Getting you ready for the night in sports, our best bets. For Donovan Smoot, I'm Reed Wallach. Guys, best of luck on your bets, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.